This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter. Visit enterpriseinspace.org. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. Golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I am Zach Moore, and we are going to discuss the evolution of the special effects from the original cast movies, the Next Generation movies, and the Kelvin Timeline movies this week on Standard Orbit. And, uh, you know, as movies age, you know, practical effects hold up better than CGI. You know, these are all discussions that fans have, that movie fans in general, especially Star Trek fans, because we love minutia as Star Trek fans. We love to discuss every last thing. It's not enough to talk about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. You have to talk about Mutar Nebula and how it looked and all that stuff. So So this week we're talking about how the high-tech effects hold up, you know, over all these years, because Star Trek movies has been, gosh, was it 40 years now, almost, Ken? Let's see, 1979, almost, yeah, we're closing in. Yeah, I guess it's in. getting we're there. It's in getting there. It's getting there. It's getting Yeah, it, it is, you know, this, Zach, we're geeking out, right? This is, this is the ultimate uh, geek out. I was thinking in my head, you know the song Freak Out from the 70s? Freak somebody, Out! Yeah, somebody's got to do a geek out parody of that. Geek Maybe out. we can get uh, Matt Rushing to do it or something. He loves to sing. But, you know, Star Trek has always been substance over style, uh, for the most part, Uh, especially with the original series television show and then with The Next Generation to a degree. I mean, the effects were much better, don't get me wrong. But a lot of the sets and things like that still, you know, lead uh, had a lot to be desired. Let's put it that way. What I really loved about the movie, starting out with the the motion picture and the effects is, is like, wow, when you can add... Uh, a lot of money to a budget and you can really play with things and you can make it as big as as Star Wars you know that was the effort I wouldn't say they got there but it it really is exciting and I and I love having these discussions because um you know like I said we always talk oh it's the story it's the story and they're right but man if it can be aesthetically uh, pleasing or it can blow your mind with some really cool effects at the same time as having a good story oh that's 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 the cake and eating it too so Let's start off with the motion picture and the effects, uh, you know, uh, the in the effects show that it was, and how it and how it holds up today. Well, with the motion picture, there is no comparison, right, Ken? <laughs> Cheers to you, my friend. Yeah, this is what brought Star Trek into I don't know the modern special effects era because if you look at the, what's interesting to me uh, is if you look at Star Trek the original series, it ran from 1966 to 1969, as we all know. Uh, but during that time, you know, 2001, A Space Odyssey came out in 1968, right? So you're telling me, you know, if you've seen 2001, you know what I'm talking about. Special effects are excellent. They hold up, you know, to this day. 
and you think, wow, this was going on at the same time as the original series? I mean, I understand that was a big-budget film, but still, I mean, like, it's just night and day. Like, like that that stuff looks like it could have been from the late 80s. It's so, it's so great. So, you know, uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture is finally them getting up to speed with special effects, having the budget to do it, uh, not having to rely on stock footage and, you know, uh, slapdash, you know, blue screen and, and compositing and stuff. And you could really get a texture and a feel for the entire universe of Star Trek. And, you know, people say it's boring. People say they spend too much time on beauty shots of things. Uh, there are things to be said there for pacing. Sure, I get what they're saying. But, they, I mean, they did, they wanted to show off all the hard work they put into it. Is that right or wrong? I don't know. But, hey, it's more Star Trek for us to watch because, you know, 10 years after. Turnabout Intruder was the Star Trek the motion picture. You hadn't seen these guys or the, these ships or anything like that in 10 years, and you certainly hadn't seen them in high definition, right? I mean, even watching, like, broadcast tapes, <laughs> reruns of the last 10 years or so. So just, uh, I think, I, I mean, I don't appreciate it. I'm too, I'm too young, to. I grew up with the next generation. So to me, I, all these things are at my disposal at all times. So just in general, you got to look at the motion picture from its historical uh, standpoint and, and understand why the special effects were such a big part of them uh, because that was a big selling point. Like you, like you said, they wanted to live up to Star Wars. They're doing all these impressive shots. And I think the special effects are great. You know, I mean, they, they really hold up to this day. The compositing looks great. The Enterprise never looked better than it did in the motion picture because the ILM knew how to light it correctly and, and they spent a lot of time and, and detail making sure everything looked ace because this was its first impression. You know, I think, you know, as the budgets got cut, as the movies continued, we'll talk about that. But, you know, the, the, sh- the, sh- the ship never looked quite as elegant as it did in the motion picture, and it looked excellent. Well, I, I'll make one correction there. It wasn't ILM that did the special effects for, for the motion picture. Now, I, I'm trying to remember the, the guy's name, um, Doug. Oh, is it, is it Dyke, John Dykstra? John Dykstra, yeah. Okay. He came in. Actually, there was a special effects house that was working on it, and they, they completely screwed everything up. And that's why there was so much rushing around. There were three or four different effects companies and I remember the story of um, uh, of of, of the, the the producers and 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 the director. Everybody just running around from house to house to house to get everything edited as it was coming in because the original effects company just just didn't couldn't pull it off. And they spent all this money on it, and it and it just came out magnificent, right? So Tony Black was talking about in the Babel conference the Spock walkthrough with V'ger. Um, You know, he thought he had it. Uh, Tim Hans talks about the Enterprise in the wormhole. I mean that. The warp effect in that movie is still the best. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the that, rainbow effect, yeah. That rainbow effect with the explosion, everything about that was was incredible. The Vulcan shuttle and it's flipping around, or you know, and, and if we circle back to to what Tim was saying about the wormhole, you can't beat that. It was it was just wild. And what's interesting to me is when I look back on it today, and I know I have to kind of take my appreciation for it out and kind of be a little bit more. Um, neutral, right? When I'm watching it, the special effects still work. They really do. Um, and I know when they when they did the director's upgrade or the director's cut in 2000. Boy, I wish they would put that on Blu-ray. The um, it, it only enhanced it even more. So just the little more combination with that CGA brought it to a whole next next level. And as we as we move into the rest of the movies, right? Because there was some there was there was some talk about. Um, um, how how the ship looked in Star Trek Two coming out of out of the uh, space dock and it's like that's the same scenes yeah <laughs> <laughs> right. well they, you know, they well, just cut and paste it yeah yeah well you, you bring up the director's edition and and I, and I think overall the director's edition is a huge improvement just pacing uh, special effects wise there were some things they just could not accomplish at the time 
Uh, obviously, Vulcan had a moon, so it's not supposed to have. They fixed that. Uh, <laughs> they, they added some cool stuff in San Francisco. Uh, opened up uh, Starfleet headquarters. Some you got to see some alternate shots of the Enterprise that never got to, it never were completed in time because you know Star Trek motion picture was against the clock. You know, run, run against the clock. It's the best kind of director's cut. You know, it's not like Star Wars Special Edition where things are just changed and you're asking yourself, what, why, why did you do this? You know, like you understand all the changes they made, and and I think you know the if they there there are a few shots that that maybe are questionable and, and they remain questionable in both versions, like. The uh, we're talking about what holds up, what doesn't, right? Uh, I think overall we agree everything looks excellent uh, overall. But you know, every, some sometimes you know things slip through. You know, you're on you're on you're on a budget, you're on a time constraint. You know, you just got to get stuff done and move on. When the crew gets out on the saucer section and starts walking on the saucer section, that shot always looked very odd to me. Yes, it didn't play well until the uh, until the director's cut. You're right. Yeah, and and then they did fix it in the director's cut. But even then, in the director's cut, there are a couple angles where it's like clearly CGI, and it's like yeah, I don't know. That's that's a that's a tough one to construct, though. You know, that's a that's a tough one. But you know, to me, that those you, you ask what holds up, what doesn't. That's really the only stuff that doesn't really hold up to me. And that's and then you know, if you look at how many special effects are in this movie, that's a that's a strong testament to. You know, and, and uh, even the in the V'ger, uh inside the Viger, like you like you said, the guys in the Babel concerts were talking about, uh, that's just that's a whole other world in there. And you want it like when Spock's flying by, like whoa, whoa, what did he just what did he just fly by? That looked cool down there. You know, it's just there's so much stuff in there. It just opens up your imagination to what is all in this giant cloud, and and that's that, that's great. It's, it's a lot of those special effects are suggestive. You know, you're like what's behind this door, or this or that, and just great stuff. You know, and and it still holds up to this day. So. Oh, I, I agree, and you know Christopher Baca, and, and I agree. He he left a uh, a pretty long uh, <laughs> note in the thread in the Babel conference. I was reading, I was like, oh my god, we could just use this as our script. Uh, and you know, truth be told, I did write the script before this came out, Christopher. But I think I was aligned on most everything you wrote here. But <laughs> the uh, there's one piece where he talks about the uh, the Enterprise flying through the light effect during the V'ger transformation, and he's spot on to me. There isn't a prettier shot yet in um, in all the movies through through the new ones that really match that. I, I don't know why that is, but maybe it's the uh, the Earth below the light effect, and then you know the Enterprise just looking as as gorgeous as it ever did. And they use that shot as well in the uh, Wrath in the Wrath of Khan, yeah. yeah. And 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 it it still plays up well. And it's funny because I was. Um, I was reading what, what, what Lee Hutchinson was writing about uh, how he still gets goosebumps seeing the, the model come out of dry dock with the rousing Horner score in cinema, <laughs> right? And, and I okay, um, Lee, I, 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 I do respect your opinion, but I'm sorry, man. Goldsmith's score just kills it when it's coming out of dry dock. So we'll arm wrestle on that one when I'm over in the UK one of these days. But... It's still, I, I, I get what you're saying. There's, there are certain things, there are certain music, or certain that gives you those goosebumps and gets you all excited. So now that I've kind of gone into the Wrath of Khan, let's, let's kind of lump in. I think, we, I think it's fair to do the Wrath of Khan and Star Trek Three, which we've talked a lot about on this show. But when we talk about the special effects, this now, was... Now, ILM did take over at this point. That's correct. Okay. That's where ILM <laughs> took over for, the, for actually the, for the next three movies. They did two, three, and four. I thought they did they did a brilliant job. Of course, they didn't have the funds that they had for uh, the motion picture. It was it was really scaled back. However, they also didn't have to develop and create the Enterprise again, mm-hmm. and they hated that model. I remember them saying, and they they actually painted it right so that it wouldn't have all the things that we really liked about it being reflective. But yeah, they the, made the it so that they could use it. Stuff. It yeah. kind of made a more a more dull gray color. 
Right. right, so that they, they could film it a little bit easier and they wouldn't have to take so long for setup and get things just right. So there was there was some give and take, and, and you can tell that. But what they really did a nice job was, I don't know, it's kind of a um, an oxymoron here. They did a nice job roughing up the ship, even though <laughs> yeah. I wasn't happy that they were roughing up the ship. They really did. It, it looked good. I mean, they, the, it's battle damage, it's, it's scars. Everything through the Matara Nebula, I thought, were, were really good effects. Yeah, and the Matari Nebula, they, they reused that thing for years. Uh, they use it in Next Generation, the best of both worlds. Yep. They use it in Deep Space Nine uh, many times in Deep Space Nine, actually. Um, and you think they would have, like, I don't know, recolored it or something when they used it on television, but they don't. It's just, oh, there it is, blue and purple and pink. Like, there's the Matara Nebula. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's – and today that would all be CGI, right? But back then they, they, they created, like – clouds of liquid and tanks and filmed it and composited and it's just like there's just something more it's something you know real about that and, and and your eye realizes that it's real and and uh stuff yeah and, and stuff works and then you know uh, talking about special effects and the wrath of khan this was the first uh fully cgi sequence in a film with the genesis that's correct uh, effect uh, the the demonstration tape you know which mm-hmm. is like you know you watch it when i was younger i was like oh cool it's a planet but i was like oh wow that's cgi <laughs> like in 1982 like that's amazing yeah yeah, they did a hell of a job with that. They really did. It still holds up pretty well, I think, as a, as a demonstration. But yeah, flying through the mountains and zooming through, um, that that was great. I mean, it was. Um, you think about Star Wars through the through the Death Star, and that was all practically shot, right? They they pulled the camera right into these valleys and yeah, alleys giant and uh, construction of the trench. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and what you know, you can see how uh, from from when Star Wars was made to the time they did that for Star Trek Two how that technology could really be a big difference maker. I don't know if I appreciated it as much back then. I thought it was cool, but as time has gone on, it's like, man, you know, that that still still tells the story just fine. It doesn't pull you out. It it, it looks pretty good. I, I would say the screen around it <laughs> looks worse <laughs> uh, when they do the close-up on it. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen the, um, the latest... Uh, Star Trek Two Blu-ray, and I know they they touched up even some more things, so maybe they they worked on that a little. No, bit, it's but... uh, it's pretty much the same. Is it's it? Just, it's just the director's cut in HD. I I own it and I've watched it. You know, it's interesting. The color timing is is something that's actually very different, and I I actually prefer the the more bluish uh, tint that a lot of things have these days. I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people complain that oh, you're taking all the color out of things. And to me, like if you look at uh, you know, if you go look at the theatrical version of the Wrath of Khan and then the director's cut, like, uh, director's cut's a little bluer, so people aren't a fan of that. Like, it's, uh, a lot of movies today, when they get remastered, they get a little bluer. I know when they, they released the Terminator on Blu-ray, they, they gave it this, this blue tint that Terminator 2 has, but the original Terminator did not have. Similarly, when they redid the, uh, Superman 2, they made the Richard Donner cut, it's all a little bluer, a little whiter. I'm getting all, like, into... <laughs> geek out right but uh <laughs> ken is pumping his fist I, that's uh, right baby dance to uh, it i i think i like the bluer look and it, you know and this this kind of compares you can compare this to uh if you go look at the same exact scene you were talking about of the enterprise coming out of dry dock and the motion picture and then wrath of Khan, the color timing is different so it, it, it but it actually helps it blends with the, with the film around it better it's not like they just cut and paste it they actually color treated it so it actually matched everything a little a little better looks different but to me when things look yellow or brown and have more earthy tones i feel like it looks a little bit dingy you know mm-hmm. and i like the the cleaner whiter bluer look that uh you know remastering of images that the uh, films that have been going on and, and recently so that's just my take on it i like that i know it's not for everybody and then especially you know going back to the star wars specialist and thing oh i grew up watching it this way and now you changed it ah but i mean really just 
uh, that's not a deal breaker, people. <laughs> but <laughs> no, no, I, and I know a lot of people do get upset over those types of things. N- not for me. I mean, I'm one of those mm-hmm. guys. As I, if 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 Paramount came up with the money, and Lord knows they don't have any money right now. Mm-hmm. Come on, CBS, let's get merged. Um, <laughs> And they went back and they and they really upgraded the films and they 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 would need to do a lot of work with these Star Trek movies. They really wouldn't. The main uh, thing they have to do is compositing, because uh, I, I believe was it Christopher Baca on the Babel Conference who mentioned the compositing. I know there, <laughs> he had a lot to say, but I, I know I, I recognize he was talking about uh, someone. I believe it was him. Talking mm-hmm. about Star Trek Three and the uh, compositing, and uh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, uh, the stealing Enterprise is you know one of my favorite moments in the films in Star Trek in general yep. as well. But you can really tell the compositing there because I'd go because uh, I uh, I was looking for a, a cool uh, Twitter background image, you know. And actually, right now it's the shot of the Enterprise from the motion picture we were just talking about, where after it comes out of the explosion, uh, the mm-hmm. future explosion, it's over Earth. And originally, I was going to get the um, Enterprise uh, stealing the Enterprise from Space Dock, from Star Trek Three. But mm-hmm. the com- I looked at the you know the HD images they have on like Trek Core and stuff, and the compositing is just too rough. Like you see the mat lines around it, you see like. You know, little, little like, oh, that that one's cut a little too closely. <laughs> that's what they, I mean, look, the, the models themselves, the way they move, the way they're lit, that that's not the problem. What The problem is putting all the pieces together. That's the problem. And so to me, like, if they could just, like, recomposite everything, that would be excellent. And that's what they did on the Star Wars special editions. I know those movies get a lot of crap, the special editions, but there was a lot of good done there. They cleaned up the image. They uh, mm-hmm. cleaned up the matte boxes and matte lines. You know, so everything uh, just fits together a lot better because you, you don't see the seams as much anymore in the special effects. And that's what's the problem with these early Star Trek movies is you see the seams. You know, you see the seams of when they're like, oh, well, obviously this is matted over this layer and all that. So if you're watching it on a big screen TV in HD, it, you're gonna you're gonna see those um, inconsistencies, unfortunately. So to me, that's that's the one thing that doesn't hold up. In all sure. these movies, and not not in every scene. Okay, it's not like it's not like it's distracting every scene. But there's certain certain scenes where you're like, yeah, I can definitely see where, where that's not quite. Uh, I, when I was watching my VHS tape on my, you know, twenty inch TV when I was a kid, <laughs> didn't quite see those problems. But now I do. Yeah. So you know, if you, if you were to give Star Trek two and and you gave Nick Meyer some money, he would definitely redo the Genesis planet, right? the uh, the inside the tunnel shot oh the cave yeah that's that's yeah. little yeah. he hate, he hated that when it was done mm-hmm. <laughs> when it was made they just like nah it just didn't work the way I wanted and it just didn't come out right and you know that's a tough thing to do I, you know for its time and whatnot I thought it was okay but yeah well that and then I also I don't hear a lot of people talk about this as much as the Genesis cave but City Alpha Five the outside of it like when they're walking around in the sandstorm like it's like you can tell that they had some like overlay of you know some i'm not sure how they did it but it's like that's not a sandstorm guys that's like a like a cloud you put over the lens well <laughs> you know, no you know they, actually <laughs> they really did they, they 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 had these engines going and blowing that sand all over the place and there's pictures of them all wearing the masks and things and glasses mm-hmm. and goggles because the sand was blowing like crazy in those costumes or the uniforms that that check off and um and, and um, Terrell, Terrell were wearing, uh, were perfect uh, for for protecting them, but they just couldn't breathe. So I mean, it was like one of the, okay, their eyes were fine, their ears were fine, they weren't getting covered with sand, they just didn't have any oxygen. So gotcha. other than that little thing, it, yeah. But I, I hear what you're saying, but you you'll see you'll see bits and pieces. But that would have been a lot safer and cleaner and and probably more sexier in CGI. But you or know, they could have gone on location if they would have had a bigger budget. You know, gone out to the desert. Uh, yeah, could have gone yeah. out down down the street to the Vasquez Rocks. 
<laughs> yeah, no one, no one would have been like, hey, we don't recognize that spot. Tonight. Right. Yeah, it's but, Vulcan. Yeah. That's every planet we ever see. That's uh, right. And then, you know, talk about reusing things. The space suits they have are the same ones that uh, Kirk and Spock wore in uh, the motion picture. Or at least uh, the one that Spock wears, the one that Kirk wears, because there were, like, reshoots. Because originally in motion picture, there was, like, a, a whole memory wall sequence. There's all this crazy behind-the-scenes stuff about the motion picture. Footage that we've still never seen. This continuity problem exists. It might be in the special longer version of the motion picture, but you see Kirk in two different versions of the spacesuit, one for the original version and one for the reshoots. And I think that's been corrected in the director's edition, if I'm not wrong. No, you're, you're right. And, and it's funny, in the extended edition, they actually show Kirk leaving the Enterprise, and you can see the wall of the studio yeah. in the background. It was it was really odd that they that they, they put that in there, and it's like, what, you don't think people would notice that? You know I mean? Yeah, just, Star Trek fans are going to notice that. Let's put it on there. It was just, it was just a weird thing, but but you know it's uh, so if we if we circle back here so so yeah. for Star Trek two, um, I, I think overall the 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 special effects overall hold up pretty well. It's not a movie that uh, that pulls you up. I don't I don't think they had the money. Um, they did they, they took the glossiness off the ship like we were saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Genesis Cave Mutara Nebula though looked phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, the battle scene I think still holds up pretty well. No Reliance is a great me. model. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is a very good model. the uh, the whole The whole battle in the nebula was good. In Star Trek Three, as you were saying, the um, you know the the only thing that was kind of weird was the view screen at the beginning. I don't know what that was, but <laughs> they weren't. It's like they instead of using a green screen, they just put up something like a, a, a up against the window there, and it, it looks like they hung little little shiny objects or something. Oh, you're talking, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it, similar it looked, what they did in the observation lounge on next generation. Yeah. The sequence. Yeah, the well, moment, yeah. yeah. Only they did it a lot better in, in next generation. <laughs> yes. They did it a lot better in next generation. People ask me, yeah. but anyway, yeah. And, and I thought that, um, you know, that was the, um, the first time we saw the bird of prey. I thought it was a brilliant looking ship. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it had a lot of motion to it. The Excelsior, we talked about, uh, you know what, what Chris said and what you're saying. I absolutely agree with. You know, inside the um, inside the space station, yeah. You know, it, it it looked a little odd, but once they left that, perfect. And the um, the destruction of the Enterprise was phenomenal. Amazing, yeah. It was phenomenal. I would say one of the things that um, you know was pointed out by Adam Ridgewell was um, the model work in Star Trek Three was pretty awesome, and we were just talking about that. The only thing that was missed because he put a picture in there was the scale of the Enterprise versus the scale of the Bird of Prey. If you, When I was watching that movie for the first time, uh, until they asked what the complement of the ship was, and it turned out to be a dozen, uh, I thought it was Same a, size. a capital ship. You know, a, a good, maybe not as big as the Enterprise, but still a capital ship, meaning you know, a, a decent size, kind of like the D7, Katinga, whatever you want to call it, or both or one or the other, but a, a big ship. And then, you know... A, because of some of the model shots, you would get that impression. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I thought Star Trek Three pretty much holds up holds up well. The effects, uh, you know, of it landing on Vulcan were, were pretty cool for its day. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time we've seen something like that in Star Trek. You know, a ship yeah, landing—it's a big deal. Yeah, that's true. And you know, the I, I think it was it was shot at the campus. Was it UCLA or it was some college in LA? Uh, but they they did a really nice job, I thought, of of, of folding in the um, the backdrop of Vulcan and climbing those stairs. I mean, it it, it doesn't look like it, as believable as you know, but it, it it's it's there. It's enough to to pull you into the story and not pull you out. So I thought they they did well there. Mm-hmm. And um, let's 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 swing it a little bit to uh, to the voyage home because here we had some very unique 
special effects, wouldn't you say? Yeah, with the time travel was a very, very interesting approach. <laughs> um, I mean, it's very uh, psychedelic. Is that a good description? I mean, that's a very good thing. Uh, Brent Williams kind of says that, you know, always enjoyed the time travel, floating head, echoes of the future. <laughs> it was cool, though. It was, it was very high concept. You know, I mean, it, we'd, we'd seen the, the crew travel in time back and forth all the time, but like they had some budget this time. And I'm not sure who came up with this, but like the, the whole reeds in the water and the heads coming out and the and the quotes from the characters that are from later in the film because, you know, time travel. Very interesting approach and something you'd see kind of like a, in an art house film or something, you know, not so much a Star Trek film. But that's that's the thing about Star Trek Four. They tried a lot of things that had a different score. They had a different approach to things. They had a more comedic tone because the last two films have been so heavy on, you know, tragedy and death and life and no villain as well. So it, it all, the, the differences in the in the approach here is across the board for Star Trek Four, as opposed to just making another Star Trek movie. They made something unique. Yeah, they did. They did. And I thought they did a great job. One of the things that, that fooled me completely was the model work with the whales. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You think, I, was like, I always thought, like, those are real whales, right? <laughs> yeah. There were, I guess there were only two shots, you know, with them breaching mm-hmm. uh, that were that were taken out of the ocean. And you can tell the difference, but all the uh, the underwater scenes were, you know, the, the, were robots, little miniature Anima- robots. Yeah, either, yeah. Either larger puppets, like for when in front of the, in front of the bird of prey or when, you know, they're in the tanks, you see little, like you said, like little, probably what, three feet or something like that. They're very I've small. I've actually seen them. Yeah. I saw when I was in San Diego one time, they had the, the Star Trek exposition, that traveling exposition, and they had those models there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't even know if they were three feet, to be honest uh, with you. They were pretty small, but you know, phenomenal, phenomenal work there. And, and, I, I thought, you know, genius, because I, I said, well, you know, it's, it's, I, I've seen enough uh, Jacques Cousteau to think that <laughs> it wouldn't be that hard to, to dive into the ocean and, and pull some of those, um, some of those shots, because you, you've seen whales swimming off in the distance yeah, before. Yeah, I mean, it's well, not like something we hadn't they'll, seen. They'll, you can get the shots you need, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. So you were talking about, hey, the whales are cool, you know, come down and film me. Funny story. So um, I hope the leaders, the, the listeners here just, just appreciate this for a second. So 17 years old, I'm in high school. I think it was my, my, the summer, my last summer at high school. And I'm down uh, off, off Provincetown, Cape Cod in, in Massachusetts. And I'm out with my friend and his dad and his brother. And we were fishing for bluefish on a 16-foot Glastron boat. And it was nighttime. It was just twilight, but it was, it was more nighttime. And, and a whale surfaced um, probably 100 yards away from us. And uh, we radioed in that there's a whale up here. And this, this person, his uncle, his cousin, whatever, is back, at the, um, back on the beach, back at the beach house, is saying, okay, you better, you better move. So we, we started railing in the, um, the lines. And this thing breached right next to us. I mean, scared the heck. And the, we had the spotlight on it. You could see the, its face go right by us. <laughs> my, my best friend, his, whose name was also Ken, was at the helm of the uh, the helm of the boat. He just guns it, right? The rigs go over the side. We go flying. Oh, oh. <laughs> right. And he, it's like Ken, Ken, calm down. You gotta come, slow down, slow down. We're because we're, we're getting tossed all over the place. Right. Finally, calms down. We get our stuff together. We come in, and there's people waiting for us on the beach, right? Oh, you saw our whales. That's incredible. So me, just like you, oh, whales are chill, whatever. I, I mean, I was spooked, but I wasn't. I wasn't that. Uh, I wasn't that afraid. As we beached the boat and we started getting off the bow. Um, I was like, Ken, are you okay? He's like, yeah. And his, his older brother, Lenny, he was, I don't know, 10 years older than us or whatever, a lot bigger than I was. 
we're getting off the boat. He's like, Ken, you okay? And I, I said, hey, Ken, you had nothing to worry about. Even if we, if we got knocked over, whales don't eat people, right? His brother started pounding the living crap out of me on the beach. I mean, full front punches. He's like, whales don't read encyclopedias. Bap! What are you going to say when you're in its mouth? Wham! You know, <laughs> all the way up the beach. So I'll always think of that now when you say, hey, the whales are cool. They're whales are chill, man. Yeah, well, not, not to Lenny. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, sorry. At this side, you might appreciate that story. No, for sure. That's good. It's, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind, that the whales do not read encyclopedia yeah none of the animal and, and none of the animals that that supposedly don't eat you <laughs> yes we, <laughs> i'll never forget that line as long as i live anyway so uh so the voyage home uh the the um the, the spin around back around the sun was fine the mm-hmm. the crash of the um of of the bird, bird of, prey. of prey into san francisco harbor mm, mm-hmm. you know you know look <laughs> there it's heading are. for the bridge <laughs> Classic those are those are great shorthand. scenes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You don't know what they're looking at or or what's going on. But anyway. So. Though I liked all the uh, the, the uh, evaporation of Earth's oceans. That was an interesting. That was very fact. well. I'm done. not sure how they did that. Actually, probably having to do something to do with salt. Usually in in uh, movies where they have to have like water like that, they they pour salt and they yep. film it upside down. That, that that's probably what they did. But I thought it was a very effective special effect. Um, and of course we had the whale probe. Yeah, he was cool. Very well done, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yep. I'm like the guy from Police Academy. You're all <laughs> <But>, uh, week. <laughs> it wasn't quite V'ger, I guess, because it wasn't, I mean, we, we don't know what was in that cylinder or anything. V'ger was obviously very impressive. The cloud, the the layers, mm-hmm. the orifices, as Spock just described them. We were behind the second orifice. I think I think he said something like that. That's how I learned the word orifice was some Star Trek The Motion Picture. That's why that's why I say that. He does um, in that movie. You're right. Okay. You're right. But the, you're, you know, I didn't I didn't think about that probe. But it 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 was supposed to be ancient and it looked old. It, it was mm-hmm. you know just a cylinder. But it, you know, with the um, was it the Saratoga in the background losing right. its lights and things like that. Yeah, I mean the the, the whole beginning of the show was pretty good it you know it's it's funny when you talk about continuity and special effects now i'm getting too much into the movie and i'll and i'll deviate back but you know you don't go to warp speed and it take any time at all to go around the sun when you're in earth's atmosphere right i mean you're just you're you're yeah, past going the sun to warp in, an in the atmosphere is an odd choice kirk yeah and and i still i still don't understand how the bird of prey goes to warp it has the you know the that that fire in the back <laughs> Of the, its impulse engine, it's yeah. like a Batmobile, atomic batteries to power turbines to speed. Roger's ready to move out. That's the bird of prey. Okay. Uh, you, you're I, looking for nacelles is your problem, I guess. I, I guess it's got guns. It doesn't have engines, and it's got mm-hmm. uh, you know what looks like a um, uh, maybe it's a it's 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 a two in one engine. Well, it's, as we it's find out in Star Trek Four, it does have dilithium crystals. So it certainly does. I'm not yeah. sure where it channels on energy, but uh, but yeah. Uh. <laughs> okay, hey, we had fun with that. So. Um, so do we dare go to the next one? Yeah, Star Trek Six. Let's go ahead. <laughs> now wait a minute. I'm just using my hands here. One, two, three, four, five. Use you, you missed one, dude. I, I'm I, using I, I'm using the reliant math of like, oh, we're on the sixth planet. <laughs> oh, count, yeah, count maybe the that, planets in the solar yeah, system, guys. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it yeah, Star Trek Five exploded six yeah, months. Yeah, shift before. the gravitation <laughs> orbit. <laughs> I guess all we can say about Star Trek Five is the. Um, there were a couple of cool shots, I will I will say. Um, you know, the God thing was kind of odd. 
but the colors of the bird of prey coming over the ridge to save Kirk was kind of cool um, when he was standing there looking at it. When it shot the god thing, it looked as awful as the rest of the movie. Yeah, uh, so. I, you know, when I was a kid, I you know, I watched these all at once, right? I mean, I, I think Star Trek Six was the actually Star Trek Six is the first movie I remember seeing in the theater. I was very young, but I remember mm-hmm. seeing it. So you know, growing up, like I had all the rest of these films on tape, and you just watch them one after another. You don't really think about they all kind of bleed together for you. So at, at the time, I didn't really think about like, oh, the special effects in this one are obviously a lot worse than the other ones. They just, they're all the Star Trek movies to me. But, you know, when I get older and you, like, re-examine the films and you watch them through different eyes, you're like, yeah, that's uh, that's a little rough, guys. That's a little that's a little rough. I guess ILM was busy making, uh, I believe, The Last Crusade. Was that they, is that why they were tied up and they couldn't do Star Trek Five? I don't know. They, they're probably making two or three other movies. I'm not sure who did the uh, special effects on Star Trek Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bren something Bren. He had he had an interesting name, but he was a commercial maker, is what he was. And, so what, what uh, you're saying is the original effects of motion picture before they redid them probably looked a lot like this, huh? Oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe it was the same guy, and 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 Shatner didn't know him. I I do remember being at a convention up in uh, Maine uh, when Star Trek Five was being made, and and James Doohan flew out, and people were asking about the special effects because they ask about everything, and. Um, you know they were talking they <laughs> they were asking questions like will there be transwarp drive right in star trek 5 and you know mm-hmm. things along those lines and i'll never forget those questions and um i love and the questions the, the fans ask like yeah <laughs> yeah will there be transwarp well you know i was interested too because you know that was kind of left out there no, and no, it's just figured, when you when you get fans and open mic at a convention it's like it's like a loaded gun man yeah it's oh like, yeah, yeah you're just yeah you just want to record them all i just yeah, you just want to record them all. Some of them are great. Most of them have toned down now. but No, they are. They are. But you never yeah. know what you're going to get. It's always fun. But anyway, that just... You're right about that. So as they, <laughs> so as, 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 um, as they were talking about it, I remember that um, James Doohan just kind of shook his head. So maybe he was watching dailies or something. I don't know exactly what it was. But he did say, ah, you know, it's it's somebody Bill knows. You know, he was like in a disgruntled, it wasn't ILM. And that's when we first learned that it wasn't going to be ILM. And I was actually thinking, oh, cool, maybe it's the same guys that did the motion picture and it'll mm-hmm. be it'll be up a scale. Because the budget went up for Star Trek V a fair yeah, amount. Can't you tell? Ugh, boy. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a shame the view of the enterprises. They're approaching it with the moon outside the, you know, reflecting off the glass. It, it was okay. It was done with a rear projector onto a screen, so the actors could actually see that uh, as they were approaching the enterprise, which was kind of neat. And they and they tried some things to make it work, but uh, they, they just they just couldn't pull it off. So it's a well, shame. You see, Shatner wanted to redo the special effects back when they're doing the director's editions of Star Trek the Motion Picture and Star Trek Two back, you know, in the early two thousands with these, you know, collector DVD sets. And uh, Paramount told them no. Uh, they said there's no budget. We're not going to do it. Now, would improved special effects save the movie? No, but they could have eased some things over. It could have helped a lot, I think, if if they could have done a couple of things. I mean, well, if they would have re-edited it, you know, if they would have like actually bit. done like you know what they did with the motion picture, because the motion picture, I think everyone will agree, is a far superior version, the director's edition. You know, yes. uh, even the little things, like when the, you know, you're talking about the reflection that made me think of this when, when they're approaching the Enterprise, uh, they add the reflection on the uh, on the shuttle pod of the Enterprise when Kirk's first seeing her for the first time. You know, and the and the director's edition, like that's a subtle change, but it just it adds so much to just uh, what it was otherwise a flat shot so stuff like that across i think they would all add up around star trek 5 but at the end of the day you're still going to get 
not the realized version that Shatner wanted that got watered down over the course of the production. You know, we're, we're, is he going to add CGI Rockmen? I know Rockmen is like the big, <laughs> it's the big thing you talk about Star Trek 5. Oh, the Rockmen were supposed to be at the end. I don't know if that would have saved the movie, but it, it would have been cool to see. You know, we've seen the test footage of that one Rockman suit, and it's like, uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> you know, when 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 the uh, the team that did, you know, where where no man has gone before, put the ba- put a put a better barrier up than what these guys did, and they used kind of the same formula that they did mm-hmm. for the Mutara Nebula. It was all liquid and stuff, but it just it just didn't. Come it was very off. flat. There was a lot of depth to it. Yeah, you know? it, it was wasn't. Just, and um... and I think if they if they did a couple of things, if they could have explained how the ship was able to penetrate it when no other ship could. Well, fear is the illusion, Ken. <laughs> Thank you. But if they could have done that a little bit, that, that would have been cool. Uh, you know, upgraded that, that nebula a bit. Um, the, the battle scene was just terrible. The warp scene was terrible. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it really did. It, you can, I can enjoy a bad movie sometimes when it's, when it's shot well. But when it's, when it's a bad script with so-so acting, you know, and there were scenes in Star Trek V before people get upset with me that I really did enjoy. Uh, the, the campfire scenes and kind of, you know, there were, there were some really cool things that they did, especially with, with Cybok when he was going through whether or not um, they were facing their pain. And I, that, that was, I didn't love it, but I, I appreciated it for what it was. Yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of cool the way they, those, those scenes kind of were projected in and out. But yeah, I, I think that... Uh, at least if it had quality special effects, it would have been that much more enjoyable because it just it was there were too many things wrong with it to make it a good movie. But if they had done that, it would have been a better movie. Let's put it that way. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. I mean, I still think it's. I still like it better than most people. I mean, I rank it above all the next generation movies except for First Contact. Uh, but mm. it is the it is the weakest of the TOS movies in my opinion because it has it has the it heart is. you know it has the heart. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're right the, the the special effects they are they're to the point of being distracting. I mean we mentioned a few, we were nitpicking a few things as fans do in the first four movies here, but the, none of those things kind of took you out of the of the no. story you know and you yeah. know so before we get too far here I actually something I thought about is the transporter effect. Do you have a favorite? Of the Do movies, because but there's not they're not really there's not really a consistent one because the motion picture is like it's like a tube and yeah. then the outline comes in the tube and then after that it's just like light, <laughs> you know like it's yeah, not really a defined like, like effect a, until next generation comes along. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, you're. I think the um the the Star Trek the ILM versions of it, you know, with mm-hmm. the light kind of goes up and comes down, the horizontal and, kind of yeah. Yeah, I, I thought those were those were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I think that 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 think worked that worked well. That's pretty much what they use two through six i think and in various forms of that but uh, maybe the yeah, light's a different part, color or something but it's all the same general yeah. shape and all that so no uh, i, I agree something with interesting you. that's that's not consistent <laughs> yeah i think i think i think you're right i think it was the same the motion picture was different when you're right where it had that that blue tube of light mm-hmm. and then the image form you know or the imaging you know getting badly mutilated uh in yeah yeah i know know we get we're kind of going back and forth a little bit talking about this but yeah that that was a very effective scary moment i mean i saw that movie as a young child and i was like oh my god that was that really stuck with me that you know a guy dying in the or people dying in the transporter beam there and and you kind of see the 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 vague like shape of a person screaming and the sound you know it all kind of adds together as a very effective scene so that's that's you know special effects making that scene really it was disturbing uh, yeah, yeah it was it video was. and audio so yeah yeah they, they, they did it right okay so let's let's say goodbye to to five and we'll move on to star trek six
So for Star Trek Six, the um, I thought I thought overall, uh, the, of course, ILM's back, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a good that's that's a good thing. They pull out um, the the Klingon warship from from the original motion picture and from shots that they they used again in in the Wrath of Khan, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they they paint <laughs> they painted the um, the hull of the ship, right? And they gave it some some scale, and I thought you know it 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 looked it looked pretty good. Um, Brandon Shea, Mutala, our buddy, he really loved the look of Kronos One in the Undiscovered com- uh, c- uh, Country, and and Lee agreed with him on that, and and I I did too. I I, I did like the look of that ship, uh, the Enterprise uh, in, in when it was leaving space dock and when it was um, married up to to Kronos One, it all looked good. I I I watched the the battle scene now, uh, and I watched the movie not that long ago, probably a couple of months ago. And um, it it didn't play as well as I thought. The the explosions and everything with the uh, the Klingon bird of prey, all of that was fine. With the the Excelsior coming into the fray, but the warp effects were were cheap. The um, the silhouette and the profile of the Enterprise when it was beat up, it just wasn't lit very well. It was too bright, kind of and flat. It, it looked like a model, you know. And it's like that was the first time I was like. Oh, you know, even though it was getting beaten up, it wasn't getting beaten up to the same level it was. It was getting beaten up worse than than Star Trek Two, but they didn't do it as well. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. That, that's that's how I saw it. You know, they had a much lower budget this time around because Five had underwhelmed at the box office, so I'm sure that was a consideration. Um, and you know, nothing really stick out to me as as bad. No, nothing bad. I think they they saved a few bucks on the special effects, and it 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 kind of showed, but it wasn't bad. I, I enjoyed it, and uh, well, they they, they uh, saved a lot of money because the bird of prey could fire when it was cloaked. So hey, it's an invisible ship; we don't have to show it. <laughs> yeah, but they did have to show the torpedo leaving it, and uh, right, that's and, true. And, you know, so so you are right on that. They did they did save some money. I think where they made it up was um, more on being more creative with the sets, which were just rege- re regenerated generation sets. That they that they that they utilized and put some things in there to yeah, make it look I mean, well. Tighter. Then look look at how they redressed them here in six though. Much better than five. Five there's like no effort given to redressing. It looks like uh, when Cybox people take over the Enterprise, they're just running down the corridor of the Enterprise D. Right? They don't paint the doors. They don't change the lights. I mean that could be a scene from Next Generation. We look at Star Trek Six. Nick Meyer does his whole submarine thing again. Add some pipes. You know. Yep. Uh, change some color and 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 you feel you feel you get the same feel you did from Star Trek Two. The nautical feeling that he goes for so i mean the only engin- miss it, the only miss was the engineering set. yeah i was just i was just about to say that engineering it's like there's only th- so many things you can do i mean the, the engineering section and the motion picture and then of course the the next two movies where i guess we only see it in wrath of Khan, we don't see it in search for spock because no one is on the ship to be down there running it but uh the intermix chamber and the whole thing it just made so much sense it looks so elegant i don't know if they could have put a different light in the tube you know and from the next generation i'm not sure how that would have worked I probably would have just, of course, had to take apart the set, put it back together. That was probably not part of the budget, manpower, or coming up with the technology to do that. But um, I, I would have liked some difference because it's like, yeah, there's Scotty just standing next to the engineering warp, warp core, which he has no clue how it works when he finally shows up in Relics, you know, 80 years later. Although this is the same warp core you had on the Enterprise A, Scotty. But anyway. Yeah, that's a good but, call uh, out. But, hey, they they did what they could. And, I, I again, I, I thought it was... It was pretty good, and Chris Chris Baca said the same thing. He said the battle looks dated. It does. It's not. It's not. It's not the best it could have been. But you know, the Enterprise does leave when the two ships are flying side by side, uh, orbiting. Excuse me, 
the Excelsior and the Enterprise, boy, you, you really get the scale for how big the Excelsior is. And the and it's flyaway, you know, when it when it takes that uh, that starboard flight turn away from the Enterprise it was pretty cool. So I think it, I think the sound design scenes. has a lot to do with that too, not just the visuals, because you kind of hear the rumble of the ship, and then you know we're talking all about the visuals here, but I think the sound design throughout all these films has been very good, and that sound is fifty percent of the experience, Ken. So it is uh, that that helps just as much to to give you that scale of what you're talking about. So mm-hmm. so let's let's jump into and. Um, you know, we're going to take a few sips of Earl Grey here because we can. No one can stop us. Go ahead and try. <laughs> um, sorry, Richard, <laughs> Lee, Amy, you'll forgive us. So, Generations, we're not going to get into the movie. We're going to save that for later. But let's talk about the special effects. Uh, from your point of view, Zach, what, what were some of the things? Because this, this, this is where things started to change in, in how they filmed the movies. Well... There's two big things that stick out to me in this movie. One is they had to reuse shots from the series. There were a couple of shots that they didn't have in the Enterprise D. They literally had to crop them for, you know, 16 by 9 ratio uh, and use them because they didn't have those shots. And that's like, oh, that sticks out. What shots were those? Uh, when the Enterprise, I believe it's when Picard's doing like it's Captain's Log or something like that. And it's it's the, uh, you're at the um, the aft, you're looking at the Enterprise from the aft side. You know, it's flying away okay. from you. Right. Uh, and so that shot is like from Encounter of Farpoint. They basically cropped it uh, because they didn't have, I don't know if they didn't have time to shoot a shot like that or they just said, oh, we can just use our stock footage. You know, ILM shot it at Image G back in the day. It's high quality stuff. Uh, so uh, I know the bigger model was harder to shoot and that's why they phased it out of the series, but they did have to bring it back out for the film for the saucer separation and all that stuff. So it was just like, come on guys, like that's, that's kind of cheap, you know, but that's a minor thing. The big thing that sticks out to me is they reuse the Bird of Prey explosion from Star Trek VI at Star Trek Generations. I talk about this all the time, (laughs) but it's like one of the most things that makes me the most angry in Star Trek. It's like you cannot take the climax of your last film and use the same shot for the climax of your current film. And that is that is unforgivable. That is inexcusable. Are you telling me there was not a second camera rolling when they blew up the Bird of Prey model in Star Trek VI? Could we not have that second angle in this film by the way it's just to me those are my tangents those are my those are my grievances it's a fair tangent with the special though. effects it's yeah. like come on this is not i i get that it's the seventh star trek movie but it's the mm-hmm. first next generation movie right you're setting the tone for for what you're going to be doing moving forward and it's like really guys i'm disappointed mm-hmm. but all that all that said I really liked if we're talking about you know other special effects things. I really like the uh, relighting of the Enterprise D. Uh, the redesign mm-hmm. of the bridge was very good. It looked a lot more cinematic. Whenever the Enterprise D bridge was like on low lighting, was on red alert or alternate universe or whatever, and it was darker, looked so mm-hmm. much better than the you know the Marriott that they Marriott in space as they always say. So those those are some positives. Well, you know from the from the beginning, I thought I thought the scene with the champagne was kind of different, unique. You know, hitting hitting the hull of the Enterprise B. Obviously, they they added uh, what they call the jowls uh, to the side of yeah. of the Excelsior and created the Enterprise B. I'm not really sure why they did that. It didn't look sleeker to me. It, it looked, you know, I, I like I, I like the design of Excelsior. It took me a while to get used to, but I didn't like what they did to to the Enterprise B. But it it, it was um, it was well done. The scenes with the uh, the ship in the ribbon. That was all CGI, and it 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 still holds up okay. I mm-hmm. thought it there, the the shot where um you know it takes that damage on on the port side to the secondary hull there where where Kirk goes missing 
was very good. The it's still, you know, that that final shot with um, Harriman and Scotty and Chekhov standing there uh, as as the scene dissolves into um, to the Enterprise on the ocean. I thought was pretty well done. Um, otherwise, like yeah, I, I agree with the the heresy of the destruction of the bird of prey. I think one other reason why it bothers me is the Enterprise fired aft torpedoes and hit that ship pretty much head on. <laughs> the the uh, Excelsior and the Enterprise in Star Trek VI were pounding it almost from above, right? And it collapsed in on of itself, and and it exploded the way you would think it would. So that's why it, it just it, it, it it's the little things like that. Like you see that I see that a lot of the Star Trek fans see. They go, "Oh, why did you do that?" Right now. It was many years after. Let's see, Star Trek. It's only three years. Six. Oh, was it? There's straight because it was '91, and that's right. The movie came out mm-hmm. in '94. Yeah, right? I mean, look, 95? they used to do this stuff like mm-hmm. in movies all the time. If you go back and look like the Universal monster movies, right? They're always they're reusing stock footage because it's like no one. There was no home video. There was nothing. If a movie came out yeah. in 1931, we can use those same shots again in 1934, and who cares, right? This is the '90s. It's the era of home video. So mm-hmm. this stuff is burned into your brain, you know. And when yeah. you have the climax of your previous movie, you cannot cut and paste it in this movie. So anyway, that's, that's moving on from that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm with you. You know, the energy ribbon, all that stuff, that was fine. I mean, I, if, if I get into the movie, we'll never get out of it, and I don't want to go there. So I'll just say, you know, the special effects in Generations, they... You can be trapped there for 80 years, Ken, unless someone came and got you. Don't get me going. Yeah. Anyway, so overall, I thought I thought the effects... We're fine, and it, and it and it played well. Supernova you, was cool. Supernova was cool. Mm-hmm. The destruction of a space station was good. I mean, it, it was it was fine. I, wow. I I thought the effects they, they they spent good money on it. They they upped the game. That's what you're looking for them to do. Uh, and the, this cra- is, the crash saucer section. Did you like that? I did at its time. It's a little dated now. Uh, you know, because now we have another movie kind of compare it to. Yeah, I, exactly, I feel exactly the same it. way. I thought when I at, for a long time I was like, yeah, that was cool. But now I saw how they did in Beyond. I was like, oh, yeah, that's how it should be done. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, in Beyond, no one would survive that or very few. Yeah, uh, that's true. And, yeah. and and so they 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 did it well. I thought, and and you know, um, it it was tough from a realism point of view because nobody was buckled in anywhere and I just can't imagine you know in space you often wonder why they're getting bounced around the way they get bounced around but when you crash land like that and then you come to a sudden stop which they captured very well by the way when the when the front of the when the bow of the ship is coming right at the camera and knocking down those trees mm-hmm. and it stops and then it pulls and then it goes back you know when people go flying or whatnot that to me was like come on you know i mean you got to know that's coming <laughs> you know and, I, and the kids in the bunk beds and things are tipping over i'm going all right it was built for space i get that glass but, is breaking yeah but the effect itself you know it, it was okay i you know one of the things that i did always like in generations that i thought they did a nice job with was when Kirk, uh, sorry, Kirk, uh, you know, the, the, the greatest captain of all time uh, up there with uh, Cisco. Uh, it, Picard was on the top of the, of, uh, on the, top of the mountain, mm-hmm. and the shuttle came. And his head married up perfectly to the movement of that shuttle. He, he, he follows it going to the right, then down, and then back down to the left. And I remember that from the time I saw it, and I still like smile when I see that today because really? I thought that was really well done. You know, I've never, like, I've never okay. noticed that before. I'll have to uh, have to check that out next time I watch Generations. 
let's move on here. I, I know we're, we we, uh, we want to keep it rolling. So if, if we move into First Contact, which I think you and I are aligned with completely, that this is the best of the um, the next generation movies, By holistically. Uh, it was funny. I rewatched Oh, oh you know what? It has the what? best score too, Brandon. But anyway, go on, Ken. <laughs> Got that, Brandon? So Just the, calling uh, people out today. So. You're, you're out, you're, hey, you know, that's what people like. Then they, then, they, they, then they can speak directly to our comments, right? So um, so whether it's Tony or Tim or, or Lee or Chris or any of you guys, come on, fire at will. Um, when when the, the beauty shot of the Enterprise-E, the very first time we saw it, uh, I remember in the theaters going, wow. This is this is a much better looking ship uh, to me than the D, and I know there's a lot of people that like the D, but I liked it because it kind of reminded me more of what we were used to with the old Enterprise, and um, and I rewatched it about a month, maybe two months ago, and um, it didn't work, man. I was like, because it was all CGI. Well, there, there was a model. Are you talking about specifically the first shot? The first shot, for okay. whatever reason, when it's, you know, they, they made it pretty, you know, they had all these um, Where it's in gaseous, front of the Hubble telescope pictures. Yes. The, the gaseous anomalies or, yeah. or whatever. It's like, ah. Now, after that, you know, the, the battle and all that stuff was great. I mean, that still plays beautifully. Um, chasing the Borg through the temporal wake and all that. It, it, was, it was awesome. The, all those pieces were really, really good. But that very first shot, I was like, "Oh, it it's it doesn't look that great to me." I don't yeah, know why. I I, I like the E, and I thought it was okay. It was I li- and I like the E. There was no pop and circumstance to it. It was just, oh hey, there's the new Enterprise. You know, I I may have, you know when you, when you saw the new Enterprise in the motion picture, it was a big deal. But here, it's like, oh yeah, there is a new ship. Okay, on with the show. Like. Not that we need to spend 10 minutes flying around it, but I mean, is that, I don't know. That's, I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's a, subje- a subjective thing. Like, is that a good introduction? Is that a bad introduction to the ship? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't hurt the movie in any way, but it's just, it's just kind of there. You know, it's, oh, there it is. Moving on. I mean, I grew up with the, I, I am a child of the next generation. So I grew up watching the next generation. I grew up with the D and I get mm-hmm. what people say, oh, it looks weird. It's ugly. It doesn't shoot. It doesn't translate well on you know, uh, film for movies. And it's like, okay, but that was, that was kind of my enterprise growing up. And you just blew it up sure. to, to what sell more toys, I guess. I mean, I know that was part of the studio mandate. You got to kill Kirk. You got to blow up the enterprise, you know, this, this, and that, the, the, the list that Ron Moore and Brandon Bragg were handed by the studio. So, you know, they got a new enterprise and yeah, it was a good looking ship, but we just, was, you know, we didn't, we didn't get to know it very well. Cause it was only in three movies. So, and, and that's fair. It's fair. It just, it came off, it, it, you know, it, it, it looked more badass. you know, like this thing, this thing could fight, you know, mm-hmm. the other ship didn't, didn't have that, that appeal to it both aesthetically. And it, even if you take it to the bridge, the bridge looked very much like the, uh, the TOS bridges and, uh, you know, much more functional and, and sterile. It, it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a bridge made for comfort. You know, you didn't have those reclining um, ops and, and, <laughs> and, and con stations anymore. But, you know, it, it, it kind of that I think that's one of the reasons why I liked it, to be honest with you. It, yeah. it just reminded me more of what, what I appreciated. Now, that's not to say I, I like I said, I, I love the next generation and I did get attached to the ship. Um, it, I, I liked what I liked about the Enterprise D, maybe, you know, for its design and all that stuff. It was kind of an awkward ship to me. However, it was the flagship of the Federation, and I always believe that the crew of the Enterprise and the Enterprise should always be the best ship in the fleet. 
and that's how it was portrayed. And and I appreciated that. And I think the Enterprise E is similar in that, right? They got a brand new ship. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it looked cool, but the the effects hold up well. That that beginning shot, for whatever reason, just didn't come off as good in my rewatch. But uh, the rest of the movie, uh, the Borg battle, as, like you mentioned, is excellent. It's, it's probably the best major you know fleet battle in in Star Trek, uh, in my opinion. I wanted it to go on too. You know, I mean, I thought budget, if, man, if, budget. <laughs> yeah, believe me, I, I get, I get, I get that more than anybody else. I understand that you have to be tight, and um, you know, um, art thrives on restraint. Did you like the redesign of the Borg here, like the ship, uh, as well as the actual Borg, as far as special effects go? Yeah, they look, they look good. I thought they, you know, they had to come up with a device in order to, um, uh, to. To, to capture the crew and, and transfer them into Borg so quickly, which I thought was effective. I mean, that was new. The, 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 the nanoprobes. Yeah, nanoprobes I mean, you get so used stuff. to seeing that stuff on Voyager, you don't really think about it. But like, oh, that was new for, for first contact, the that instant was, assimilation. That was very new. So. Yeah, so... The, um, it, I don't like... But was it necessary to make them not the pale skin? Like, do you like the whole, like, um, I don't want to... Zombie flesh or whatever they, they did with the, with the Borg? Yeah, I mean, well, you 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 had a darker set. You had you know them redressing the the uh, the engineering section. I think it all played together. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They they made it seem more cinematic. I would put yeah. it. You know, so you know, could they have left the pale skin and given me my battle shots a little bit longer? <laughs> I would have been fine with that too. Yeah, but you know, I, I thought overall they they did a nice job with them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and like and, you said, and the irony that you bring up, they're reusing the defiant engineering set to be the enterprise e so how things have come full circle from the enterprise a using the enterprise d engine room right <laughs> you know what i never put that together until you said that i didn't realize that i thought that was a set that was built from scratch because it was pretty cool and it seemed large well the actual i mean i, I think they expanded the set but that the centerpiece the warp core that is straight up the defiant engineering uh, oh is it oh uh-huh. okay. okay yeah yeah that, that that was pretty neat yeah but overall i thought the um yeah yeah I, Good Vulcan movie. ship was great. Good Phoenix effects. was great. You know, I mean, everything, yep. no complaints on, on my end here. For okay. First contact. So now we get into another uh, movie, Insurrection. And um, this, <laughs> it's so tempting to want to talk about the movie. I know. So we'll stick to the special effects. The uh, the Enterprise, they, they made some subtle changes to it, I guess. Um, they, add, they add decks every movie, I believe, to the Enterprise E. So. Yeah, they, they they play with it. They they give it some more uh, weaponry and things. It, it it looked fine. This was pretty much, a, if if I remember right, Zach, pretty much an all CGI film. Uh, this one mostly was CGI, and you could tell. I mean, in mm-hmm. my opinion, you could tell. Like it did, I could always tell when it's CGI remodel. Uh, and it doesn't. I, I don't. I don't. I don't revisit Insurrection as much. I couldn't tell you if it how well it holds up. <laughs> so, from my memory, it's like yeah, that's okay, but it doesn't look quite as good as it did in the last movie because of the CGI, in my opinion. No, it it didn't. But they they did some they did some very different things, right? They had more. Um... You know, they had the shuttle battles, so to speak. Yeah, oh, that's true. Uh, the shuttle battles were cool. When it was flying on the yeah. grass and all that, that was pretty cool. Right, and you know, with the dirt hitting the camera when it flew over, I thought that that was that was pretty good. But it, it did not look um, as realistic now. I I, I rewatched it. Um, I think I did like a, a a TNG movie rewatch. I want to say in September, somewhere along those lines, and um, 
so it wasn't it wasn't that long ago but you know th- that that end scene where it's flying over the um the collector and it's it the enterprise is you know with the, with the flames behind it and all that stuff it it was cool when they made it but you're right you can definitely tell the CGI and CGI is I guess what I'm seeing now doesn't age as well as the practical effects nope. right it just it just doesn't and uh and that's that's the risk you take i guess so you know you can get better shots better maneuverability you can get all kinds of things that you can't get from from practical effects or you you, you know take costs a lot more money to do it but um those older cgi films are struggling to keep up and that's that's what i saw looking and you know i watched them all on hd so i'm sure that had something to do with it too right so uh yeah i i you know the effects um on the ground with the shots and the um those little those little ships that they were knocking around that were you know hitting them with the transporter inhibitors dehibitizing gizmo uh, gadget thing speaking of stuff on the planet you know data running around the invisible guys running around in suits that was pretty cool you know yeah. the, I mean, they, they achieved that i mean that's an that's a trick as old as the 30s right but they achieved it quite nicely it and uh you know, the, there's something i've always suspected is a missing special effect though in insurrection it's it's when uh Rafo and picard are in the collector there yeah and it's just this blue there's everything is blue yeah like to me i'm like was this supposed to be a blue screen they were going to put in something they were Okay, yeah. was that was that part of the plan? That was part of the plan. Yep, they and they didn't. You're absolutely right. They didn't. So if you if you look, you know, from certain scenes when you're looking down, the thing goes forever, right? But uh-huh. when you look side to side, it's 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 like it's like Kirk leaving the Enterprise in Star Trek: The Motion Picture. It's like, hey, that's the studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't read a Fade In, the Michael Pillar book. Is that is that where they talk about this, or I'm just I don't know. Like where where did you hear that? <laughs> that uh, I, I don't I don't be. know where I heard it. It could have been. It could have been. It could have been a Larry Nemechek thing. I I don't mm. remember exactly where I heard it, but but uh, I always I always suspected. I'm like, well, it's blue, and I don't know why else it would be blue unless they were going to you know replace it with something else. Which yeah, yeah it didn't align did. to the other so. shots that they had in exactly, there at all. So exactly. yeah, you're right. No, they, they they were supposed to do more, and it's for some reason they didn't. And I think they've reshot that. There were a couple of different endings, if I remember correctly. I would like to read the Pillar book, and I guess it's a it is now a $100 book on uh, how to write with all kinds of notes in it. And I know before it was a PDF. I don't know if people were getting it illegally or not on the internet that you could read his script. And it was mm-hmm. very different from what I understand. So I, kind of like other movies that I've seen that didn't work out well that had alternative scripts, I would love to read it. I don't know if I want to get a book on how to write. And, you know, I guess it's a hardbound hundred dollars. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of about the whole process, which I find fascinating, but uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see how much money I get in my stocking this year. And maybe I'll invest. You know, in that you, Hey, you, you've got, uh, you know, if any of, if any of Zach's uh, family is listening to this show, there you go. Right. There's, there there's a surprise Christmas gift. Uh, he'd probably like that. He'd like the new encyclopedia, all that stuff. So, yeah. All right. So let's move on to the final, final Star Trek generation movie nemesis and um that's another one that brandon really liked the score on (laughs) this this movie uh actually the special effects in this film were 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 pretty solid i you can tell the cgi like we've said before definitely on the romulan planet but i remember that scene being really cool because that was one of the the first times that we saw a scale like that where the romulan senate was and mm-hmm. you could see the little the little people moving and all that stuff. I thought that was neat. You know, they did a pretty good job. Um, the scimitar was 
a very tropish thing, or it wound up being more tropish even after this movie. Mm. Huge ship that could, you know, ten times the size, ten times the power. Um, I thought a pretty decent design, uh, a little over the top, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's not very memorable, though. No. Right? It's like generic bad guy, bad ship. Uh, you they know, the Bird menacing. of Prey, the D7. These are iconic ships, the Excelsior. Um, what did you think of the new Warbirds? I liked the old Warbirds. I don't know why they had to change them. Like, you know, I just, I'm like McCoy. I don't want... <laughs> they love to change things, right? They look more like birds. I mean, there's that, I guess. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they, they had wings, yeah. <laughs> they had wings, um, but you know, I really finally wanted. We never got to see those those uh, I've Dietrich's class, or forgive my lack of terminology uh, as far as the warbirds. But there was a D, and then there was an X in it. You know, that's the kind of class of warbird that was in Next Generation. And we always wanted to see them do their thing, right? And we never got to see them do their thing. And I was like, oh, the Romulans are going to be a nemesis finally. Maybe we'll get to see them do their thing. And we never did. We got these new ships. And they're okay, but they're not really fighting the Enterprise. They're fighting the Scimitar. So I guess they're more in line with like, the, the Bird of Prey from Balance of Terror for a way, way callback. You know, it's like if they had built the ship around the, the, the decal on the bottom, that's kind of what we're getting here with the Warbirds. So I guess the, the front of them kind of looks similar to the, um, to the Warbirds we were used yeah, to in the series. Yeah, that nose, yeah. Yeah, not, not quite. And you know what? It's funny you say it's a nose because <laughs> when it blows up the, um, uh, the invasion fleet heading to Vulcan, in unification <laughs> it looked like the ship was blowing its nose didn't it <laughs> green laser shots coming out the bottom of its nose blowing okay i i, I digress sorry but the um, yeah i i thought the the effects in this movie were good the um the nebula or whatever they were in the Mutar nebula yeah <laughs> well it was green wasn't it <laughs> it was it was different it was you know believable uh, it 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 looked good aesthetically the um i like well when the saucer crashes into the scimitar that's something we had never seen before an interesting tactic to see yeah. that realize so i mean that was that was there's some there's some good stuff in here i know we you know it's we're on the record for being a little more critical of a lot of these specific a lot of these films we've been talking about but hey credit where credit is due there is some cool stuff in here there was the uh, the space dock scene when they're rebuilding the enterprise was pretty good uh, very reminiscent of obviously what we'd seen in the motion picture and dry dock there yeah, but you know, but to a whole new level, right? Because now you could see the worker bees actually doing the work outside the window. Yeah, it was special effects wise. I thought it, Nemesis was was the better of the, um, uh, the was much better than than Insurrection by yeah, far. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, and, I mean, it was know, cool. It, it was cool that we got to see the Enterprise E in action in both these movies because mm-hmm. basically, I mean, it shows up at the Borg battle at the very end. Or it does a little bit. And then it's just orbiting Earth the whole time in first contact. So we didn't really get to see it do its thing. So it was cool to actually see the ship, you know, joystick and all in its direction. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but okay. do, do its thing, you know, I mean. Duh. Yeah. So the other, I guess the other thing that um, that I remember about Nemesis was kind of the, the dune buggy battles and all that stuff. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That, was, that didn't work at just all. Just because Patrick Stewart likes driving cars, we gave Picard a, the Argo. It just made no sense. It just yeah. you know, technology-wise, um, from a Star Trek point of view, you're on you're on a sovereign land and you're shooting at each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I I just I don't know. But at any rate, we're getting into the movie. But the, <laughs> you know, the jump that it makes to get into the shuttle was was pretty cool. I mean, it was it was actiony. Did so, you like the weapon? Like I know we talked about the Senate earlier, but the weapon that turns everyone to stone, basically. Yeah, those effects were pretty good. And then the giant one at the end that, you know, of course, Mm -hmm. data shoots. I mean, that was, like, it kind of makes, like, a double helix kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, So that was cool, I guess, as a doomsday, another doomsday device in one of these films, right? 
I think you're right, and I, I think uh, I'm not sure what the change was. I can only assume the budget was less than Insurrection uh, for Nemesis. So maybe they maybe they allocated more to special effects. I'm not sure, but uh, overall, the, it is a slicker looking film. Than, I don't know if the, the budget one. was less, but they built an entire town on a mountain in Insurrection. Oh, that'll right? do it. That yeah. cost a fortune. <laughs> You know, it cost a fortune. So I, I think it was just where they allocated the funds. It was more mm-hmm. towards the uh, the land side of it than the space side of it. And right. this was more of a bottle show, bottled movie, which, you know, a couple of tweaks here and there and some pacing, we could have made this movie a lot better. But the special mm-hmm. effects worked, I thought. Another another film I would love to see the director's edition of or the extended cut of because there is like 45 minutes of deleted scenes for Nemesis. So if you, if you went back to, like to all the raw footage and reassembled it from scratch, I think you would, you know, you could you could have a better film, uh, definitely. The, the, there is better material there that could be rearranged. But uh, but hey, we're not here to talk about the films. It's it's not it's not much more what you could edit in. It's more what you could edit out of this one. Well, that's true. I mean, I think yeah. uh, bye bye. You know, B four would be gone. <laughs> uh, things like that. So <laughs> <laughs> think, very things good. Al- very good. <laughs> things along those lines where it just just killed the movie. I thought. But uh-huh. all right, we ready to move into a whole new era? Let's punch it. A whole new era. Oh, I like that, Zach. That's pretty good. So um, in in 2009, we were introduced to the, the rebooted Star Trek. Um, the special, this was a CGI show, but it was brought in with major, major dollars. What was, what was the, was it a hundred and, um, was it a hundred and fifty million dollars to make this movie? Something like that? Yeah, yes, lines? I believe so. Uh, and then, if, and then the, those budgets go up for the next two films for, uh, you know the, the Kelvin timeline movies, but you know the, the the money does show on the screen. And a lot of times you hear about movies like they have two hundred million dollar budget. That's outrageous. But I think the the money is on the screen in all three of these films, and we can, and we can talk about them all together because they're all they all kind of you know blend together. It's the same stuff. Uh, I think you know that there is there are no physical models here for the Enterprise. When we see it, it's CGI. But they shoot it in a way where they can't do stuff that a model couldn't do, and I really appreciate that. You know. Uh, we've talked about it many times before with the Kelvin timeline, and that adds to a sense of like, you know what? I know it's CGI, but you're doing it the right way, and it's fooling me, and I'm 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 with you. So that's they my were take. painstakingly detailed mm-hmm. too, you know, with the 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 reflections and the light and all that stuff. And I'm not talking about lens flares yet. I'm just talking <laughs> about you know when you they. I remember even watching the effects show for for Star Trek 09, and they were talking about how when the light reflects off the hull. It's not perfect, right? It's it's made by humans. They were saying there will be, there will be um, imperfections, imperfections yeah. in the design, and, and and it's like yeah, I mean, and, you know, I, I we could talk about the design of the Enterprise, and it takes a lot to, for me to get used to even today. I like it, but I I don't love it. Um, but it it was it was well done. The 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 opening shot in the movie was phenomenal, mm, just absolutely. phenomenal. Absolutely. And it, it was very realistic. And the updated effects with the view screens and what they were able to track, it, it seemed much more realistic, right? Um, even it's though extrapolating it's- where we are now with technology and saying, where would we be in 300 years? Okay, in the 60s, that was what we got. But here, now in the aughts, <laughs> that's, this is what we get. And, you know, you have, you have you know, like I love what you mentioned the view screen. I love how it's like three-dimensional and there's data displays on the side of it. I mean, that's what you would, that's what you would get in a view screen on, on a, you know, a, a tactical vessel, you know, a tactical display. That's what that's what it is. It's not it's not just a leisurely window there. It's supposed to be a tactical display, and it gives you information you need. Uh, so I, I really like the updated uh, view screens there, and then also how it's also glass, you know, which is really cool, which leads to some really cool creative shots. You know, once again, talking about special effects-wise, and you can see the crew 
you know, through the window and, and, you, and because space is three-dimensional and there's no up, down, left, or right, they shoot the ship, like, upside down a lot or from very interesting angles you don't get to see. All three of these films, you know, uh, Abrams and Justin Land, all approach the Enterprise in very unique angles that, that we had never seen before and that are very creative. Extraordinarily creative. They, they, they did a great job with the effects. Uh, a lot of people, hey, the lens failures were, were distracting. That was probably one effect that was overdone, but I didn't mind some of them. Because again, if you if you look at it uh, as though it was made that you were there or through a document uh, a, do, um, a documentary lens, it would have been like that, right? Um, you would have had those hues, just like you would have would <laughs> through your own eyes. But yeah, I, I there was everything about this movie I thought was really good. The the only thought that I thought was maybe a little bit underdone, I don't know. I, I'm curious your opinion on that. Was the destruction of Vulcan? Well, you know. Uh... Thinking about that, we didn't mention the Praxis ring in Star Trek VI when 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 Praxis exploded, mm-hmm. uh, which has become an iconic you know uh, special effect. I mean, Star Wars ripped it off now for all its special editions. When anything blows up, you get the Praxis effects, what they call it. Um, mm-hmm. So no, we did not get anything like that in 09. But I, I actually like that. I like how the planet kind of crumbled in on itself. It, it uh, was imploding. Yeah, and with that, so it, it calls for a different effect you know, than like ex, you know, the Krypton exploding in Superman or something like that, right? Uh, I liked, I liked that. You know, it's something we hadn't seen because it truly was, like you said, imploding. Uh, so I thought it was appropriately understated for what for what they were going for because it's sucking in all the matter and it, and it goes it just it sucks the planet into its own little black hole into nothingness as the Enterprise warps away. Uh, I, I liked it. Um, yeah, it really I, fit I, into what in the rules of what they were trying to do. Uh, that was exemplified perfectly with that special effect, in my opinion. Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you liked it. I'm not saying I I didn't. I guess for, from my point of view, when it was when it was collapsing in on itself, the effect would have been different. It kind of looked like it was, um, like they did a cutout of a circle and it was swirling inward, and then you know, boom, it disappears. I guess I was expecting maybe whole hunts like, like the planet actually literally turning inside out. You know that type of a thing. Yeah. Um, that hey, you know we're we're talking semantics, but you know for all the money that they spent on things or whatever, I was just kind of like, ooh, you know that seemed kind of, hmm. It, it it just didn't look the way I would have thought it would have. It did uh-huh. its job. It was fine. The scary monsters, uh, monster on no, the monsters on Delta Vega. Very, very JJ Abrams monsters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they were fine. Yeah, they did look a little bit like. Uh, um, Cloverfield and all that, but right, yeah, it, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it it worked. The Enterprise um, looked looked great in battle um, with mm-hmm. the, with the pulse cannon type of approach uh, at the end there. I prefer phasers. I, I think I mentioned this before, but I prefer the beams. I mean, that's something mm-hmm. that set Star Trek apart. In my opinion, that is one special effect I wish they would have kept more in traditional Star Trek because you know any sci-fi franchise has little blasters, little you know pulse cannons, as you say. But you know, I'm looking for I'm looking for beams, looking for constant lasers and phasers, man. Yeah, uh, I, so I guess I took it in that. my in my in my fan mind, right? The the, the 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 fan retconning of things. Well, I'm not retconning, but fan <laughs> fan view, fan eyes. I guess is that when you were taking out a series of missiles, you had to set the phasers to fire that way, um, and that, that they sense. would still have I'll, the I'll ability to do that. You know. <laughs> That, that's all because it was just short bursts taking out lots of little things, yeah. lots of lots of little yeah. objects. So you know, and we've we've talked about all these ships so much. You know, I mean, the the Rada looks cool. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a very very distinctive. It's a lot better than the the Scimitar, for example. You know, in my opinion, uh, it just is like I don't know. I mean, they're they're both big black ships, I guess. 
but yep. uh and then you know to follow through the vengeance right of the three of them i like the narada the best because it has the most like it's this squid looking thing with pointy edges it, it has a lot of character to it just in its very design so of, of the three in a row big bad black ships we get i do like the narada the best um you know the vengeance is like it's just a bigger version of the enterprise and it's black because it's evil you know we talked about that the vengeance is black and it's evil USS ticked off. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so there's that. That those are really the only ships we. See. I mean, we see the Klingon ships. We've talked about these these ships before. Special effects wise, I think they all. I mean, they all look great. You know, I hey, and, keep but, going, man. Take it right into yeah, beyond. You're on sure, a roll. Man. <laughs> they all look great. They all hold up. Uh, the swarm is good. You know, the the Franklin is cool. I mean, it's basically an updated uh, NX01 style design. They kept in the continuity. That's great as well. The Enterprise has these slight modifications throughout the three movies, but ultimately, can I? I mean, and I and I think Star Trek has never been this level, other than the motion picture. The Kelvin timeline movies are the only ones that are at the like the cinematic true. You know, scope of a motion picture right of a true film right not just a movie it's a film uh but i think we would both agree that as good as these look i would still prefer practical effects hmm i i i, I guess you can you can enhance one with the other let's put it that way mm-hmm. so if they if they had a good balance between the two that would be really neat if the ship if the ships were were filmed with practical effects, real models and things, that would be neat. I understand cost, maneuverability, all that other stuff. But you can enhance with CGI its background, um, what it's dealing with. Uh, you know, uh, well, yeah, enhancing the model, en- yeah, enhancing, enhancing practical effects. Because yes. I, I always point to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which is like the perfect marriage of practical effects and That's CGI. That's a great example. So That's a great example. Mm-hmm. Do as much as you can in camera, and then use CGI to accent or augment or enhance whatever you know whatever thesaurus vocabulary you want to use uh to the surroundings and make it make more fantastical because i I think everything they could have done with the enterprise it could have been a model but they shot it so well like the enterprise in particular i'm actually completely cool with it being cgi because they 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 approach it so well so for a series of movies that's using exclusively cgi i mean i think the kelvin timeline is pretty much as good as you can do it so it's practically cgi right ken that's right i like that practically cgi Hmm. Maybe we'll use that. Perhaps we okay. shall. Perhaps we All shall. Right. So. All right, my friend. This was a great topic. I really enjoyed it. And I'll, I'll just bookend it with this. We said at the beginning, Star Trek is about um, substance over style. But when you can get both, it certainly makes it a lot of fun. And I think we talked about where we had, where we could have used a little bit more style. Um, <laughs> uh, but in a lot of cases where we didn't get that style, the substance was there. And then in some cases... Like in Star Trek Five or Insurrection or others, it yeah, just wasn't just just we didn't get both, but that's okay. Uh, this was this was a fun topic. I really enjoyed it, Zach. Yeah, me too. And I'm sure we missed lots of things, which people will correct us on in the Bible conference. And please do because we love your interaction. So please let us know. Uh, <laughs> and then also, hey, don't forget, guys, we have our Star Trek: The Next Generation Season One Blu-ray giveaway still going on through December fifteenth. So please. Go to iTunes, leave us a review, let us know what you think of the show, and you'll be entered into a contest to win a new, unopened Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1 on Blu-ray. So please do that. We'd love to hear from you there. And uh, we'll be announcing those uh, the week of Christmas. So somebody will get a nice uh, Christmas present uh, from from us to you. So, uh, yeah. again, we look forward to all your feedback on this show. Always a fun conversation, uh, talking about the, the, the grand scope of Star Trek, as we always do here on Standard Orbit. But... The evolution of special effects across the Star Trek films isn't the only thing we've been talking about 
On Trek Fin this week, here's a look at some other topics being discussed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Don't watch any of the extras on the first disc because they're all duplicated over the second disc. So then it, that way you can just watch them in order and not have to worry about, oh, well, let me skip this one because I watched it on the first disc and do all that. Wait, to clarify, they have all the special features in column A on one disc and then all the special features of column A plus column B on a second disc? That is correct. That makes no <laughs> sense to me at all. <laughs> I know, I was, I was very confused when I sat down to watch it. Melodic Treks. Matter? I bury nowhere. Oh, it's painful. I don't know. You no, snowing me? Not. You snowing like, me? just saying remiss and blah, blah. I felt myself falling asleep. I felt like it was my parents were telling me a good night story where you were giving me that track listings there that... Like, Does it still I mean, McFly? That's oh. that's one of my favorite ones. Stage 9, a podcast about the people who make Star Trek. Within about... 15 seconds you texted me back dr giggles we have to do dr giggles and my question for you is yes why did we absolutely have to do dr giggles saturday morning trek and all these things just brought in more and more people who thought they were alone and they found each other and they made their clubs and they then they made conventions and that just that's what the 70s were about was getting Star Trek back and finding each other. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek.fm, you can always find us on Trek.fm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpipe.com slash Trek.fm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at Trek.fm, Facebook.com slash Trek.fm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. So you can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at trek.fm and grab the RSS link as well. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. That makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes and helps us increase our visibility for new listeners. So let me talk to you for a second about Patreon, Zach. Patreon is the program that Trek FM employs in order to get donations to keep the network coming to you commercial free. It is wonderful. Most of the hosts here on Trek FM are big contributors to Patreon and found our way onto the network through Patreon. So if you can uh, spare any money, uh, and we don't care what the denomination is, it really means a lot to us because there is a lot of content that we're putting up there, a lot of bandwidth, a lot of programming, a lot of equipment that we need. So please, if you can help us out, we'd appreciate it. And all you have to do is go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash trackfm, and you can, you can click any donation you want. And we do have some incentives for you. So for $15 a month, you get to join the Patrons Roundtable where you podcast. And, and, you know, again, that is where a lot of us started. It was on the Roundtable. I was on the very first one. I had a blast. And if you can contribute $25 or more per month, then you get associate producer credits for whatever show you like. And we love our associate producers. So please 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 if you if you have the ability it is more than appreciated and speaking of our associate producers we'd like to thank renee roberts 
Richard Rutledge, and Aaron Harvey. Thank you so much, always, for your support for both Standard Orbit and the Trek FM network. You can find Renee on Twitter at MRES underscore 1701. You can find Richard at RUT8972. And you can find our buddy Aaron Harvey at GeekFilter. So if you're looking for me on the network, you can you can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm always on there, uh, pre-post shows, talking different subjects with all our listeners. And you can also find me on Twitter, at Boston SCPO. That means Boston Senior Chief Petty Officer. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast called Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that young Superman show from the early 2000s. And we're on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. And also, I'm around the Babel Conference as well. It's always great to talk to you guys on there, making conversation about our shows, other shows, general Star Trek topics, anything, really. Love to talk to you guys on there. So thanks for listening, everyone. And join us again next time here on Trek.fm for another episode of Standard Orbit.